Welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, plus your man with all the insight into what's going on at Wolverhampton Wanderers, Tim Spears from The Athletic. And as a special treat this week, right from the start of the Molyneux View, we have the former Wolves goalkeeper and now top pundit for Sky Sports, flying the golden black flag down south. It is Matt Murray. Hi, Matt. Hi, Tim. Hi, yeah. You all right, Jackie? All right, Jackie. Yeah, brilliant to have you with us. And you, Tim. It's quite nice to have you with us, too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Don't a surprise to be pleased to see me. <laughs> Matt, how are you? Have you locked down well? Yeah, do you know what? First week took a bit of adjusting, probably like everyone, and you, your mind runs away of itself and how everything's going to work and that, and um, just adjusting to homeschooling, you know? That that was the, the biggest test of my little boy not being in nursery. But once things settled down, I was able to see my children who live up with their mum in Leeds, and then um, and just, just getting a, a normal routine, if you like, then I've actually really, really enjoyed it. And I've had loads of time with my, with my children, which, is, which I would never have got, you know. So that, it's been nice, but I'm ready. I'm not going to lie to you, Jackie. I'm ready for uh, the football to begin. But you know what? That sounds very familiar. It's been nice spending so much time with the children. 11, 12 weeks is quite a long time, full time. <laughs> and it's a long time to be without football, isn't it? Tim, how about you? Have you seen any fellow humans recently? Oh, I went to went to went to a barbecue yesterday. We were so desperate to have a barbecue that, despite the fact that it rained for about five hours, we we still had the barbecue. That's that's what twenty twenty has become, right? So yeah, no, all good, all good. What ten days to go now? Yeah, till the till Premier League starts again. It's happening soon. I can't believe it, it is actually happening very soon. We've had a lot of um, feedback, by the way, Tim, from Athletic subscribers who are um, lapping up your content, I think is the phrase of the <laughs> year. So on that road again. Oh, no. I'm not going to lose it this time, I promise. Um, but if you're not already a subscriber, then make sure you go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod right now for a 30-day free trial because, frankly, you need to know what's going on inside Wolves and Tim can tell you that's theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod and you can also get the podcast ad free on the app as well so it all kicks off folks a week on Saturday Wolverhampton Wanderers will be travelling to East London to face West Ham United it's a 5.30 kickoff live on Sky Sports Matt are you going to be allocated to that game? I am yeah I can't wait Um, yes I'll be down in the London studio so the the protocol will be slightly different Um, we're going to get that through exactly how it will work so it won't be at the stadium where obviously it's, it's the, I prefer the, you know, I like that the most when you have a studio set up at the stadium so you can sort of watch the game, watch the monitors, really gauge the atmosphere. But yeah, we'll be down in the studios uh, at Heathrow, you know, well at Isleworth and I'll be watching the game, wearing my Wolves hat, trying not to say we. <laughs> and um, But I, I'm believing though that, that, that Wolves can go to the Olympic Stadium and uh, and get a result for sure. Yeah, very professional of you. Who's the other pundit out of interest? Have they got an ex-West Ham player, Tony uh, Potty or something I, like that? Or any ideas? Honestly, don't know yet. I don't know yet. No, I haven't, I haven't seen... I know I'll be on with... Uh, I think it's David Jones or, or Kelly Cates will be will be hosting it, but I can't remember who they said the other pundit was. I, to be honest, I was just so happy that I've got the game. It's all starting <laughs> again. And um, and it was, they're just going to come thick and fast. So oh. I'm buzzing for it. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but just having that date to aim towards and that, 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 that definite date... Is, is, is been great and I'm sure it has for the players as well. Oh, absolutely. I bet the players can't wait. It's 14 weeks and two days or 100 days precisely or three months and eight days <laughs> since that draw away at Olympiakos on the 12th of March. I worked it all out. <laughs> It seems so long ago. They've been counting, have they? <laughs> oh, I've been counting, marking them off on a little chalkboard. 15 weeks exactly since Wolves last played at Molyneux and that Premier League nil-nil draw against Brighton. 15 weeks it'll be. So how do you reckon, Matt, that this unexpected and frankly completely unprecedented break will affect Wolves players compared to other clubs? I actually think it would be an advantage for Wolves. So it does feel like a kid counting the sleeps down of Christmas. That's what it feels like. And I think for the Wolves, the Wolves players, we'll get Vinagra back now fully 100%. Um, Nuno runs with a pretty small squad. And I think ever since you've seen Nuno come in, that the medical staff and all his coaching staff, he has the real, real credit that the availability of players has been top draw with a small squad. So Wolves have been travelling all different time zones, thousands of miles, still done really, really well in Europe and in the domestic competitions, kicking off at all different times. As I say, games relentlessly, not much recovery, but still getting a good tactical work in. So I really feel for Wolves, we will have an advantage over a lot of clubs. I think Wolves, Manchester United, teams like that will really fancy themselves. So 
because some teams will have got players back, like Tottenham got Harry Kane back, which won't be, you know, which which will advantage them. For Wolves, they only had Vinagra really out, but I think with Fresh, Adama Traore as well, he'll be 100%. But just because we've experienced this all season and done really well, then I think we'll be fine. I think um, I think preparation is going to be so important as to what's happened over the past few months. And if any club can do that, it's Wolves. You know, we know their sports science and their medical teams are as good as anything in the Premier League, certainly, and one of the best in Europe. You've got to say, when you look at their injury record, they had five injuries last season. It's worth repeating again and again and again. Five injuries. And yes, I guess there's a danger we've seen in the Bundesliga, a huge spike in muscle injuries. It may be inevitable that they pick up one or two. Um, and there is a slight concern there because because of this, the small nature of Wolves' squad. But if anyone can deal with it, it's them. And I think what also helps is they've got very clear goals for the rest of the campaign. There might be a few mid-table teams perhaps not looking forward as much to coming back with not as much to play for, futures up in the air. You might see teams experimenting and using it as a bit of a pre-season towards the end for next season because next season is going to come around very quickly. But with Wolves... If they can go full pelt for two months, then they could achieve something um, that they haven't for the for the whole of their careers. Some of them, so um, so the the motivation factor is very high. And I also think too, if five substitutes are able to be used as well, I think Nuno's really good at using his bench. And I think we have a lot of like for like over the squad. So again, if we can use the five, if we can go and change those players at the real pacey attacking players, and again, I think we'll we'll be good at that. And as you said, with preparation that. You won't be able to do as much preparation on the grass because of the games, but Nuno hasn't been able to do that. But whatever he's done in the classroom, tactically, he is always spot on. As Tim wrote this week, Matt, Wolves have used fewer players than any other team in the league with just 20 and 29. Nuno does like to use a small squad, but might he have to adjust his mindset now, bearing in mind the players have not had a proper pre-season as such coming into this after 15 weeks off? I just feel that the, the, the modern-day player will work so hard following the programmes. You know that Nuno will have been doing that. They'll have been running, you know, the the, the, the uh, medical staff will have sent the programmes in. You can see that the mentality of the Wolves players is elite. They have got, they, you know, they invest in their bodies. They do everything right. That's why, because, yes, they do so much in the club, but obviously they go home and they live properly. When I speak to the lads that, you know, I know from there still, they're, they're following their programmes. They're used to this relentless training if you like training matches recovering right so I actually think the smaller squad would be an advantage um, I think that the um, you know the other teams won't be allowed too many players in again they'll be bringing so many players in but they won't want to risk infection so I think keeping a small squad together the way he works what he does the players are used to it they'll come back his training will have been meticulous so I actually think we'll be okay and I think that all the players know their roles so well and all of those players have been involved stepped in whenever they've needed to. So if, if someone steps in against Manchester United in the FA Cup or in, in comes in in Europe, they're always right up to speed. So I, I feel he'll be fine. He'll use his substitutions right. He'll rotate his squad. We saw it Liverpool away. I did that game for Sky Sports and he brought Max Kilman in. He brought, um, I think it was Neto in and they were just straight into it, a, a game against the top of the Premier League. So I honestly think I can understand why people look at it with a smaller squad. I actually think because that's how they've been used to working for the last nearly three seasons, we will, uh, Wolves will be fine with that and, and, and I think they'll have an advantage over most squads. And how do you see the five substitutions situation panning out? Bear in mind, you can make all five in one go if you want to, which makes mm. me think, oh, quite possibly certain slightly more cynical managers, Jose Mourinho, um, might want to use it <laughs> tactically, but you can only use five in three different settings so you're not constantly having a trickle of subs. What do you reckon? I think it's good. Uh, I can understand it. Looking at the Bundesliga, the, the soft muscle injuries. Uh, again, I've, I've had the fortune of coaching uh, German players and they are very, very good professionals the way they look after themselves. But the fact that they've still come in and, and had the injuries um, shows you that you, you know you can be at risk. I still feel that, say, the Wolves players have, have had that at that time and look after themselves. But the way Nuno, you can near enough do his substitutions, certain substitutions, Around the hour mark, he loved to make, didn't he? When he had Cavalera and Costa, for example, he always changed them around the hour mark. Now you see, you know, substitutions again with his his two number tens around the hour mark. So I think he he will look to use that, uh, especially the wing backs as well. Maybe you could see Vanagra uh, coming on and and in and in, in uh, resting players there. 
So the the back the back um back three and the goalkeeper you don't expect to change so much. Jimenez you'd probably imagine again will get will get a lot of minutes, but everybody else I think he will make those changes, he'll use them very well and it will be very calculated. So of course if there is an injury he has to react in that way or sending off or anything like that. But I think he Nuno will look at it, look at his timings and re- and realise he's got a nice strength and depth and is it Pedence, the new player that we didn't get to see that much of? Again, I think yeah, I think he'll be he'll be coming off the bench and having a real impact. Yeah, I think it screams pace really. The, the key players he brought off the bench this season: Vinagra, Neto, Pedence, Traore when when he hasn't been starting as well. And then you've got Dendonka for a bit of physicality popping up in the box. These these, these are good options. Um, the, the, I guess the only thing that concerns me is Jimenez really because we've we've been so heavily reliant on him, and it's not been a problem. I think he's he started every game except for three since he joined the club so it's going back two seasons now and he's come off the bench in those three so he's played in every game it, I guess the, the worry is after so long out it might take some of these boys a little bit longer to come up to 100% and there's no obvious Jimenez replacement in the squad right but Leo, Cam, Leo Campana's the one they bought in in January I'm sure Nuno's been working a lot with him and you know Matt mentioned um, that Liverpool away game when he made a few changes and brought players in and how they know their roles automatically. So the likes of Campana, Jordao, Oscar Rasmussen, Christian Marquez, um, Owen Otisawi, you know, these are the guys that are, that are training with the squad now. And if they were called upon, then yeah, they'd, they'd be ready because because they all know those roles inside out and he trains them and makes those messages so clear and almost quite simple that they know exactly what their duties are to the team. How do you assess West Ham away as a first game, Matt? I actually think it's a good one. I do. I think that it's, you know, go, going down there and the pressure being on West Ham, they're, they're right in a relegation battle. You hear the sort of noises coming out of West Ham. Was a, You know, they, they didn't want the season to continue. It seemed to be early on. And you, you can understand the fears and, and everything else. But I, I just feel the job, I was at the game at Molyneux when we beat West Ham in midweek and we were comfortable. We're in and out of possession, excellent did really, really well. And I just feel that if Wolves can go there, start well, come in fresh with a clear way of playing, I, I just think that, you know, it is a good game to kick it off with because of the pressure that is on West Ham. They they know they have to, you know, really pick up maximum points in that. They'll have to go at Wolves sometime. And if either Wolves start well and get the early goal or the longer the game goes on, then, you know, being equal, you know, being even, they will have to come at Wolves. I just think the pace that Tim has mentioned there, Wolves will love to counter-attack. So as long as, you know, West Ham don't score early, because I think a David Moyes team can set up sometimes and be, and be compact, I just feel the pressure's on them. It will play into Wolves' hands. But going on to a point that Tim mentioned as well, Jimenez is the one. We have to, we have to protect him because that is the one position that's just, you know, we tried to bring Catrone in, the way that and it didn't work and the way that Jimenez plays is key so you just hope that Nuno is able to protect him um, because he to the whole system and everything he brings in both boxes defensively offensively is key but I, I, I think that this West Ham game I really do fancy Wolves going down there and in a way it's a shame that there's not a crowd there because if Wolves would be able to maybe play on that and the, and the West Ham fans you've seen they are great fans but they, they, they can turn on their side. So uh, yeah, but I think it's a good game to kick it off with, for sure. You talked about Catrone. He scored the second goal, didn't he, in the 2-0 win against West Ham at Molyneux in yeah. early December. Well, you say that Nuno needs to protect Jimenez. What do you mean by that? Well, Take him off on 80 minutes if Wolves are doing if he well? Can, yeah, I think even if, if, if Wolves were comfortable in any game, then I think you would you'd try and bring him off because you need to, he needs to get a certain number of minutes to get up to max speed. But at the same time, the work rate, the way he runs, the, he doesn't only score goals, he assists. I think it was bright in a way. He was so, so good. Manchester United at Old Trafford. These are all games that I've done for Sky. And you end up just talking about him because he is top, top draw. And he, if he, the only bit is, if he was slightly younger, I, th- I just think anybody would come and take him. That's the only thing that, because he's a bit older, that people might not want to spend the money it would to take him away from Wolves. But I think he's a fantastic centre-forward. I think he's got a baby on the way. I'm not sure if that little one's arrived yet, but I know he's having a little boy. I've seen it all in on July. social media. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's so, during July, which we yeah. should have been the close season, but it's not now. Yeah, well, well hopefully, yeah. So hopefully the baby's a little bit delayed then, because we all know that affects your sleep. <laughs> 
But I, I just think that, yeah, his work rate and everything he is, and he seems like a real, you know, he's a big lad, isn't he? But he's finely mm. tuned athlete, and I just think he seems all action. So, yeah, if if we can, you know, Tim's mentioned they started nearly every game. He's crucial to what Wolves do. So that is why, whenever possible, I'd love to think that he, that he can be rested, wrapped in cotton wool, and ready to go again. But oh, I'm a massive, massive fan of him. Do you think it's a, a rare error of Nuno's to not have adequate backup for him? I'd like to know exactly how the recruitment works at Wolves because I think what you know there's links with Mendes and obviously Kevin Thelwell has now left. But whatever the recruitment had been near enough since Nuno's come in has been top draw, and the club has kept evolving, evolving, evolving. I do feel that the summer window of this season. Um, with Catrone, uh, Valero, Valero, uh, Valero, was it, the, the centre-back? Um, it didn't really work. You know, those are the couple of players that didn't come in and, and kick the squad on. So, yeah, they've tried in, in, in January to bring players in, but it's a lot harder to bring that centre-forward in. And I feel that still, in the wing-back role, the right wing-back role, I don't feel we have the cover that we'd like for Matt Doherty. Like for like, I think everywhere else we have, and and then in the number nine role again, I feel that we don't have someone that can, that if anything happened to Jimenez, that we could either protect him with and rotate a little, or if he was injured or suspended, that we could replace him with. And I think they're both key key parts of the system. So yeah, there are a couple of bits that, and I don't know if it was Nuno who got him wrong, you know, but it, it hasn't. Even Rafa Mir when he came in, that didn't work either. So. Yeah, that is, look, goal scores are always hard and I think there is a shortage of them all over Europe. But I think that will be a spot that if Wolves can really, really go to that next level, then I think another wing back and an out-and-out number nine would be what I'd be looking to invest in. I completely agree. And I guess they've been burned a little bit by Jimenez's success and how pivotal he is to Wolves' you know, not just scoring their goals, but, but linking up their attacks as well. So trying to find a good quality backup who's prepared to sit on the bench is not easy, especially in January, as Matt said. I mean, it's almost impossible, really, to get um, a confident goal-scoring striker. You know, they're, they're ten a penny, so, again, difficult to bring one in. Um, one thing about the West Ham game is that this will all be new for everybody, right, playing behind closed doors in an empty stadium. Um, but Wolves have a slight advantage in that they've already done it and in Olympiacos. And what was noticeable in that game is that I thought they were, they were really really poor in the first half and they had no urgency and that there was um there was no there was no pace to their game there wasn't much tempo and the second half they sort of rectified that and much improved performance after the break and got the draw i wonder if that's a slight advantage that 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 they will look at the mistakes they made in that game and hopefully correct them but matt i just wondered from a from a player's point of view how much um how much does the crowd affect a team um in terms of enacting its game plan because i feel like wolves Play their game plan to a T, and it won't be affected by whether there's a crowd there or not. But do you think do you think that might be different for other teams? Yeah, I think if you're a high pressing team, you, that crowd mm. really helps you. Um, so I, I, I can tell you what it's like as a goalkeeper when you're playing away from home, and every time you're getting the ball back to you or your defenders are having it, it's the press, as a press. It does add to it. Um, it adds to the intensity of the game. Um, when you're young and you first play, then the sport of a crowd can make you a little bit nervous. But then actually it's what you need and you miss it and you need that adrenaline. So it's sometimes hard to get yourself up for it. You know, the crowd really, really does help, you know, play that extra bit. So, you, you know, you might get home after a game and a full house at Molyneux and you, then you start to, the adrenaline leaves your body and you've got like a gash down your leg from when you slid out and collided with someone. You didn't even feel it in the game because the adrenaline's running through you. I'm sure players will tell you they can jump higher, they, they run further. And that's why... You can tick every bit of your body, uh, every bit of return to playoffs that have come through injuries. But until you get through a first-team game when you really, really are at it, then, then you're not sure. Um, I still feel that Molyneux, when we, when we Wolves play there, the crowd, it, home advantage, and I think that's what you can see in the Bundesliga, that the home advantage now hasn't been as, as key because the crowd do help they influence the referee. They help you as a player. They get behind you. You don't want to disappoint them. Um, so, yes, Wolves know they're... they're um, their tactics and they play very well but I still feel that and again if you go away from home you can get the crowd to turn you do feed off it as a player but it's going to be that everyone has to do that uh, West Ham's a little bit different because of the pitch being you know when you played at Upton Park that was right on you you know that was really really tight but at the, the Olympic Stadium it is further away so it'll be echo, echoey seems a little bit slower 
But um, but I, I do agree with what Wolves experienced in Olympiacos and how they had to raise themselves in the second half. But I think they've had to do that in games anyway, pick it up in the second half. Form's a really interesting entity to try to uh, analyse at the moment, isn't it? Because if I hear the cliche about the form book going out the window one more time, but... When we look at it, three wins in nine for Wolves or competitions before the break, three in ten in the Premier League. Is that completely irrelevant to players who are coming back now or do they still have that in their recent memory and mindset going into these new games? I actually feel it's a bit like a mini-season starting. That's how I feel. I think you just I would just be looking at those um, that small number of games, um, really just thinking that we've got so much to play for. So nine games to go in in the Premier League. If you can pick up, probably if you can win between four or five of them, um, which is very you know capable for Wolves. You got to, you know you really is about recovery, literally focusing on that game, recovering, going again. I'm sure Nuno will look at certain fixtures and look at which players he thinks will be suited better uh, for that. But I feel that you can't look too far. It's so long ago now. Players are returning. The teams that you'll be playing against will look totally different again because of players that they've had returning. Um, you know, so, and 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 how people are getting back up to speed. I think some teams might have used this better than others. Uh, like Tim's mentioned as well, there'll be some teams that are probably experimenting a little. Uh, maybe some players who know they're coming out of contract. There's going to be a lot of that going on as well. Will players extend it to the end of the season? Their contract to play the extra month or two, knowing that they're not going to get a new deal at their club. So I think for Wolves, most of their players are on long-term deals, so that shouldn't be an issue. So there's so many uh, concerning factors. So I feel that what had gone on, you know, the Brighton draw and everything else like that. Of course, they'll have looked through it a little bit. They will have. They'll be trying to prep for the teams that are coming up. Uh, that they're coming up to play against. So the Wolves will be having a look at West Ham's systems, how they'll be playing. But I think it's more that West Ham will be desperate to get a result because and win their home games to get out of trouble. Wolves have so much to play for. So I wouldn't overly look at the recent form. I would just say it's been a fantastic season, all in all for Wolverhampton Wanderers. And they realistically could break into the Champions League. And wow, what a carrot that is. <laughs> and perhaps more interestingly than general form, Tim, is Wolves' home form in the Premier League. No back-to-back home wins all season. They managed that five times last season. Um, and two of the last three home league games, nil-nil against Leicester and Brighton. How do you both think the home situation will affect them, bearing in mind they've got four home games left and five away? I don't, I, if, if You've got to go on what's happening in the Bundesliga, right? And the... the, the um percentages of home wins are way down um so hopefully it's hard to put your finger on what's wrong at home really yeah they're 11th in the home table i think they're fifth in the away table they've been a bit a bit strange this season in terms of conceding goals first as well or <laughs> great at conceding first and then also great at comebacks as well i think they've got 21 points from losing positions um they obviously they feel very comfortable at Molyneux we know that and Wolves will be doing all they can to make it a comfortable and as normal experience as possible um, but I think Matt alluded to earlier the, the manner in which they play I don't think um, having no fans at Molyneux is going to negatively affect them in particular um, and I think if you look at the teams they've got coming up the next three games West Ham Bournemouth and Villa they're 16th 18th and 19th in the table so Motivation is going to be the primary factor for me and um, the fact Wolves have got as more to play for than almost any team um, stands them in good stead with the quality that they've got. Yeah, to confirm those four home games they have left, starting with Bournemouth, Arsenal, Everton and Palace. And then they've got five away, which are West Ham to start with, Aston Villa, Sheffield United, Burnley and Chelsea. What, what are your thoughts, Matt, on Wolves' not brilliant home form this season? I think some of them, it's it's fine lines. So I think that against Leicester, it was a draw, but was there a really harsh... I'm trying to feel so far back, but it seems like VAR, I know, I'll be uh, yeah, going on games, about it. Yeah, in both games, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, in, in both the games, yeah, right at the start of the season and then and then that one. So there was another goal at, at home um, where I'm sure the play, and there was, there was a couple of... It might have been Sheffield United. Was it offsides, you know, in the, in the build? I can't remember. It was something at Molyneux anyway. So there's... Wolves have drawn too many games. I look in there, 13 draws. And if you only turn a couple of them into wins, and I believe that Wolves have done well enough, I still feel that Wolves love to counter-attack. 
So that's why if teams who, who need those maximum points play against them have to go out and walls will hurt them. And maybe a little bit of that at home again is that it's more of an onus on them to break the opposition down. And I still feel that even when that when Wolves lost in the first Premier League season, Huddersfield did the double over them. That is a bit that I would like Wolves to, if they're going to kick on to that next level, that is probably the, the bit of creativity. They, they still need a, a team that plays a lower block, if you like, and more set in formation. But I think all in all, Wolves, you know, it's, the pitch, you know, they'll make it expansive. They'll move teams around. There's a lot of teams there in, in, in Burnley and Palace who don't have too much to play for. If they can get result against Chelsea, that would be fantastic. So it's a, it's a decent, it is a decent run in. And, um, but as I say, I, I still think it's been a great season and, and just the way that Wolves recover and use the ball so well. And when they can hit those switches of play, if the weather's hot like it has been, I know it's not so good the last few days, but if it's hot as well, and the way use, Wolves use the ball, but they're also very, very good at controlling the opposition, even when Wolves don't have the ball, the way they slide and shift, slide and shift, and then set those traps. So I, I just feel that it, this is set up to Wolves, for Wolves to really finish the season strongly. And only Chelsea away on the final day are above them in the table. All other sides currently below them. But of course, if Sheffield United win their first game back next Wednesday at Villa, then they go three points clear of Wolves on the same number of games and also above Man United into fifth. At Wolves looking up, of course, you know, we're optimists. We're looking at Wolves finishing really positively. But should they be looking over their shoulder too, Matt? Because if Arsenal win at Man City next Wednesday, then they join Wolves on 43 points, having played the same number of games. But bunched up behind... Tottenham, with Harry Kane back, mm-hmm. of course, just two points behind. Arsenal, currently three behind. Uh, Burnley and Palace, four behind. There isn't room, really, for too much complacency or, or too many errors. Yeah, you don't want to slip up. But, you know, I still think he's saying what a fantastic you know, season it's been that Wolves are in this position. But, like I said, they're Burnley and Palace. If you can win, beat those teams, I still think though they might be a little bit experimental. But I didn't realise actually, just looking there, like you said, they are quite close to it. So, but by the time Wolves play them, they might be out of it. But or if Wolves can beat them, then it's going to certainly put them out of the race. But I think it's a credit to Chris Wilder how well he's done. It's shown you how competitive this this division is now. So the the gap is being bridged and bridged and bridged because you know it's only Wolves' second season back in the Premier League. So to be in this situation. Uh, you know, you know, above Tottenham, above Arsenal, right on the tails of Chelsea and Manchester United. But that's why I feel it's it's one of the. I don't think Wolves will get a chance like this again. I really don't to really some you know get into that top four. And if Wolves can get into that top four, into the Champions League, it will help them keep the likes of Jimenez, um, Neves, for example. Those those players. I'm not sure if Willy Bolly signed a new deal yet. Nuno might encourage him because I believe he's only got a year left after this. So that's why I think it's so, so important to to do well. And then it will give Wolves that spending power again. If Wolves don't get into the Champions League, you can already see Chelsea there being active. Manchester United will go again. Um, Mourinho will have a window. Arteta looks like he's getting things going. So that's why I think it's really, really important. Will be looking over their shoulder a little bit, but it just seems to be you hear, you hear Nuno say, "Stay humble, game by game, game by game." We've not won anything yet, and that's what will be the mentality in that camp: giving everything for each game, preparing well, going out there with a belief. And I tell you what, when this Wolves team are on it, they should fear nobody. Did the double over Manchester City? Very, very good against Leicester. Push Liverpool so close. This Wolves team, when they are at it. I tell you what, a lot of teams will not want to face them. So I'd be going in feeling very, very confident if I was in that Wolves dressing room. I mean, it's, it's potentially a pivotal month, really. You know, if if Wolves were to reach the Champions League, then, the, yeah, the likes of Jota, Jimenez, Traore, Nuno, I, th- I think they're more inclined to stay, right, for one more year and see what Wolves can do in the Champions League. Whereas if, I don't know, if they finish seventh or eighth and they're back in the Europa qualifiers again... I don't know, everybody's, this last three months has kind of hit the reset button on everything and you, you do wonder if players are kind of thinking about the next step of their career maybe. Um, but I think overall, as far as the season goes, if you'd have asked any anyone of a Wolves persuasion, would you take finishing seventh again and reaching the quarterfinals of the Europa League, which, you know, there's a good chance that they can do, then everyone would have taken it. 
But now they've had this chance to stop and think, then yes, as Matt says, this could be a, a very rare opportunity, especially with what's happening with Man City. Um, and their court, their court hearing started yesterday. Uh, and we'll know the results in, in July. Um, finishing fifth to potentially to potentially be in the Champions League, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a, almost a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And then you, you look at Arsenal and Spurs, you're predicting that they will improve next year and spend and go again. So um, there's a lot there's a lot to play for. And... Um, yeah, it could be a very rare opportunity for us to get in the Champions League. I'm also just two points behind Man United in fifth at the moment. And say Man City were to lose the ban or it's reduced to one year on appeal, then fifth would be enough. Two points behind Manchester United, five behind Chelsea in fourth, which would guarantee a Champions League play. So were that ban to be overturned or suspended or, or whatever. United, of course, have Marcus Rashford back. I mean, what kind of achievement would it be, Matt, if Wolves were to qualify for the Champions League in only the second season in the Premier League. I can't... It just seems crazy that we're having these conversations because... <laughs> it does. You, you know, it, it, it does because, you know, we've all been around the club for a long, long time. You know, I joined Wolves when I was nine years of age and I remember the stand being rebuilt and all the heartache and the playoffs and everything else. And to become an established Premier League team was really, you know, you thought that that would be amazing because we always, you know, we went up under Dave Jones, came down, straight away and then Mick McCarthy had three seasons but it was all about survival survival so to think this is the ambitions now of Wolves and it seems realistic and you know we're in league one we're in league one when Kenny Jackett came in so to feel that we are competitive to have done the double over Manchester City you know to have gone so far in European competition just to be in the Europa League for me someone had said that to me a few years ago you'd go come on man you for real so to now be seriously chatting about the Champions League, I mean, that, that's just immense. It really, really is an amazing job. And people were buzzing off uh, what Pochettino did at Tottenham to get them there. Well, that again shows you why Nuno is key. And I just feel that we have to keep performing and matching his ambition because that will you know, want to keep those players there and, and allow us to keep evolving and growing and it just seems like the, the the unity of the club is just fantastic. The fans are loving the journey. The players are. They're a hungry group, and they just want to kick on and on and on. And uh, yeah, so but it's close. But that's why I really do feel if we can do it, that will then allow us to grow again, and the owners will really invest as well. So it's difficult. And look at the you know we're talking about those teams, and as you said, Rashford coming back in, Bruno Fernandez will have had a longer time with his teammates. Galo now will have settled in a bit more. So all the managers will have had a bit of work on the grass, talking about stuff and coming in with fresh, fit players. Harry Kane back for Tottenham, Son back as well. But I, going back to one of your earlier questions, I would be looking up, concentrating what we have in the dressing room and just believing now that this is, this is a chance to... I think some of these players will be immortal anyway for Wolves. I really do. I think they'll go down in history as, wow, what a squad. If they can get in the Champions League, it's just going to take them to even more legendary status. I think if you're looking at your preferred route of qualifying for the Champions League, which again sounds ludicrous to say, then you know we're all talking about the Premier League at the moment. But for me, they've got they've got a better chance of winning the Euro, the Europa League than finishing fourth or maybe fifth in the Premier League. J- judging on every game I've seen in the Europa League this season, there's absolutely nothing to fear, and the quality of teams that they've played so far, I would say, is akin at best really to kind of lower mid-table Premier League teams. You know, Braga and. Um, Olympiacos are probably the two best they've played so far, and I don't think they'd be troubling fourth or fifth place in the, in the Premier League, for example. So you know we'll know soon, hopefully, when this how and when this competition is going to get back up and running. But the suggestion, as we were talking about last week, that there might only be one leg for the remaining rounds. So Wolves have potentially got four games away from winning the Europa League, and we know what a good cup team they are from 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 watching in, in the FA Cup last season. So. Um, we all hope, and it's going to be very difficult, much more difficult than um, rearranging the Premier League um, to get this Europa League back up and running. But if, as and when that can happen, I think Wolves have got a fantastic but, chance of winning it. I really do. But with that, Tim, though, it's as and when, isn't it? And that would be the one bit. I think that if, when I was doing the before the lockdown, I was I I felt that the the Europa League was probably the better chance um, because of over two legs as, as well what we did to Manchester City with the game plan. So, yeah, we've proved we're a good cup team, but we've also proved that, you know, we, we, we could do it over two legs as well with the tactical side and the experience of some of the players in the squad. But my only concern of the Europa League is the format, 
you know, and just if, you know what I mean? If it happens, that would be the only bit for me that would that would concern me. And But while we've got the Premier League, we have to push on with that. But uh, there is certainly nothing to fear in the Europa League if the game's on the pitch. It's just more of if there's a second spike or anything like that with the coronavirus. And at least you'd hope for now that the absence of those Thursday fixtures, particularly away in Europe, would help Wolves kick on towards trying to finish fifth, potentially fourth, and secure Champions League that way. Yeah, totally focus on that now, yeah. So really, really focus on it. Go for that. The players are used, as I said, all these crazy kickoff times, even if they had to be quarantined for a little, they've hardly spent any nights in their own beds because they've been travelling everywhere, playing at mad times. So... They, they, they will be ready for it. They really, really will. And uh, and it just seems like there's no, there's never any moaning in that dressing room. You know, and lots of clubs before are oh, the Thursday fixtures and this and that. The Wolves lads were like, when I used to speak to Doherty and Cody, they're like, what? Bring the games on. We've been desperate for this. This is amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Never any negativity towards it. Never any excuses. Nuno's never made any excuses. So I just feel the mindset of that Wolves squad We'll just embrace this again and go, we've had every other challenge. People want to write us off or this and that. Even when you speak to Jota and Neves and they said, oh, when we came over and the yellow balls came out and we'd have a problem with it, well, we've done all right, haven't we? We've done all right. So <laughs> they'll be good to go. They really will. And Tim, just tell us where we are now with Project Restart and the latest from Compton this week and how it's all going to work. Yeah, they're all back in full full contact training and it's all about setting up how these how these games are going to physically work and what they're going to be doing to Molyneux. Uh, we've seen with this fan mosaic, they're going to be putting in the South Bank um, and they're whittling through long lists as to decide who can be allowed into stadiums and turning stadiums into into um, hand gel fortresses, I think, Jackie, in terms of um, <laughs> keeping it safe and dis- disinfecting absolutely everything. So it's a logistical nightmare. Um which I don't think we'll see fans, you know, um, in the stadiums for for a while yet because there's so much to sort out in terms of how to open up a stadium just for media and press, etc. So, um, yes, they're um, and also in, the t- in terms of how to get to games as well. You know, do you fly? Do you get a train? Are they going to have two or three coach loads of, of club staff? Are they going to be able to stay in a hotel the night before? You know, Wolves do that for home and away games, every, every game. So there's there's lots still to sort out over the next kind of 10, 10 days or so. And in terms of watching on TV, the atmosphere, it was brilliant watching Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern Munich at the weekend because they, they added the, the TV overlay, which the players don't hear in the stadium. But on TV, when you're watching, you can hear the way they're very cleverly taking the soundtrack from the equivalent fixture last season and taking the different sounds of when a goal is scored, for example, someone presses a button and then you get that crowd eruption for whether it's home or away and a penalty appeal and and all the rest of it, I found it absolutely fascinating. And that combined with the flags over the lower tier of the seats, which I'm told by the Premier League they're looking to do here as well, it can actually make the TV experience so, so much better than those earlier Bundesliga fixtures and, and the one we saw away to Olympiacos with Wolves, where it just sounds eerie and, frankly, not like football. I think that basically the whole lower bowl of every stadium is going to have designs on it and um, Wolves are planning a few kind of big flags to cover the other stands. And, yeah, like I mentioned, they've got this South Bank this South Bank, huge South Bank flag. You can pay £7 to have your face on there. Um, I gather a few um, notorious faces that everyone might know have, have been put forward um, as suggestions. Um, so I gather there's actually a team of people at Molyneux that are going to have to sift through these and, and cut out um, historical mass murderers, etc. So that's going to be Albion legends um, and stuff like that. Exactly. Albion legends, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there'll be a few John McGinnies and Bob Taylors in there, right? Oh, do you know what? You read my mind totally. <laughs> um, but there'll be different things, like they're going to have tunnel cams, they're going to have a toy cost cam, I think, as well. Toy um, cost cam? Encouraging, yeah, apparently. Um, <laughs> encouraging um, players, to, encouraging players to celebrate. Have you been um, drinking, mate? Coin toss. <laughs> Um, that uh, they're going to encourage time. players to, to celebrate <laughs> yeah. near a particular camera as well I think after after goals and all this kind of stuff so um, and Premier League are encouraging maybe more noises after goals in the stadium as well oh. so it's it's going to be very different but I think Wolves will try and replicate their you know, you know we, we know they're very hot on their pre-match build up with the music yeah. and the fire and stuff like that I think they're still going to try and keep that going to keep it as normal as possible for the players you know you'll still see the fire and all that stuff kind of pre-match oh, so, right. so yeah 
Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be uh, it's going to be very different, but they are going to try and keep some things the same. Can they play the liquidator, please? Bearing in mind there's no <laughs> crowd concerns of swearing loudly. <laughs> I'm desperate to switch on the TV and have just before kickoff, so the cameras are definitely there. They're not aware to break playing the liquidator because even though this crop of players probably won't appreciate what it means, the fans watching will It'll get us all up on our seats, won't it? Jackie, please tell me. Come why? on. Well, I want to know. Yeah. So when I first started at Wolves, they played the liquidator, got everybody going, right? When I still commentate at the Albion, I know for a fact that they still play the liquidator because I've got videos of the Albion fans singing it to me, okay? Turning and singing to me. So why can Albion play it, but we can't play it? That's what I want to know. That's a great question. Maybe we've got higher moral standards and, uh, and on board don't think we should be telling Albion what we think of them. I, I don't know, but the fans, I mean, they brought it back, didn't they? Tim, we were talking earlier. Was it for the Norwich second leg? Was it that one? For the playoff game, maybe. Playoff, was it? Oh, so long ago, I can't I'm remember. I'm sure they, they brought, brought it back and for thought, a big oh, morals to be gone with you. you know? okay. We only won 1-0, Kevin Cooper. I remember that. Oh, don't. The damage was done the in the first leg. Yeah, the damage was done in the first Mark leg. Yeah, but, uh, moving on, moving but, but, on. What but, about yeah. the players' language on the pitch? That's what. <laughs> that's another thing <laughs> that I think they need the crowd, <laughs> crowd noises for. <laughs> exactly. But did you see that? Did you see it the weekend when you did have that noise and you had the drums beating, what have you? I just thought it was so cleverly done that it wasn't just random noise projected. It was actually manicured especially uh, according to who was doing what it is good and uh, obviously we could, get, we could have a little dig at Albion here but we won't oh no go on <laughs> well just saying that they're used to empty stadiums aren't they that's all we can tell them <laughs> there we go. start giving them some banner anyway come on uh, and VAR I was talking to the Premier League earlier that's going to be as usual from Stockley Park because there are so many um, kickoffs at different times they don't have to worry about all the teams being in the same place and they've got different rooms there so they can uh, segregate and they can have them around the room the VAR and the assistant VAR and the uh, tech operator and they're all they're all mic'd up um, and they've all had longer to train themselves to reflect on how this season's gone with the first full season of Premier League VAR. I know it's not specific to Wolves, but it is interesting that they will have, they have analysed so many different fixtures and, and incidents. And so hopefully they'll be a little bit sharper. I think we all need a refresher course, don't we, on VAR? It's been so long. And I did ask them also about whether we're going to still have the same incidents like as we had with Wolves away at Liverpool being denied a goal via sort of a heel three moves away from the final goal. And they said, yeah, we haven't changed anything on that regard. So it'll still be highly controversial, won't it? Yeah, but they can't change that, those sort of things because I think, you know, there's going to be question marks of the integrity of the competition anyway, that some teams will have played Liverpool with a home crowd without it, you know, things like that. But that thing can't be, you know, we can't do anything about that. But with the VAR, they have well, to... Well, it was hinted that the uh, that it would be a bit more subjective. It, it yeah, was okay. hinted. But that would... I don't feel you can change... Yeah. I don't feel... It's just my opinion. I know because we're obviously going to do the five substitutes. That's for the welfare of the players. The crowd is for people's welfare. I just feel to change those rules now when the season is still this existing season wouldn't be fair. That's just my opinion. Even though as much as it's annoying and it's frustrating, and I think I'm reflecting on it, that's something they've got to look at for for next season. And whether it's the Graham Sooners rule or whatever you want to call it, with a bit more daylight or something. But I just, but do you know what? VAR is the least of my concerns at the moment. I just hope, I just can't, I, I would actually give anything for a VAR discussion just because I just want the football back <laughs> so much and uh, and get there. So I hope that VAR isn't spoiling things, but I, I still feel, like, it's just my opinion, I don't know what you guys think, but I think that they've got to have that consistency just till the end of the season because that's what everyone else has to play with. And just looking at the media point of view, Tim, there'll be 25 journos, a journalist on average, but it's dependent on clubs, I'm told, because of their capacity. It's going to be different for different grounds and some grounds will have overflow areas for press rooms and they need to have enough desks and also Wi-Fi is an issue as well um, and they have to stay within a certain area because there's a red area which is for the playing surface and the tunnels. Anyone there has to have had a negative test for coronavirus and then the Amber Bowl is where the media will be which is in the, the bowl area. You have to have answered a health Q&A and had your temperature taken on the way in. Uh, which will be interesting, but you're going to be at all the home games, as far as we know, Tim. At least, oh, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be presumptuous yet. I, I, hopefully, this has all been sorted out over the next kind of ten days or so. But um, yeah, for people who don't know, like Bournemouth's press box 
compared to West Ham's press box, you know, vastly different. Um, and they'll be oversubscribed for some games and undersubscribed for others. I mean, the amount of people that are going to want to go to when Liverpool win the title, I mean, they'll get hundreds of requests. And normally they can accommodate about 100, 120 at Molyneux. But trying to trying to squeeze that down to twenty five is going to be um, it's going to be impossible. But you know, again, we'd rather that than no football at all, right? So yeah, and I'm told that the press conferences will be via Zoom, which you know about. If you're going to be there, then you need to be able to see you know the video. You need to have the Wi-Fi in the stadium for that. But also, for example, you're running perhaps going to be able to have one person from each publication potentially. But then you'll be able to dial in from home. And then you'll be able to type your questions in the message box, which then leaves it up to the press officers to... Um, well, to I'd say I'm absolutely fascinated the by this. questions that they'd like the managers to answer. Anyone who's sat in a Nuno press conference will know, particularly after a game. In fact, win, lose or draw, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the results sometimes, but he can get to two questions and then he's up, he's off, he's out of his chair, he's gone. But but will him be on Zoom? Is he just is he just going to mute everyone and close his laptop down or what? How's he going to wield that power? I, I can't wait. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, he will come out with those things when he's making out his signal. He's probably got a special buttons that he can press and makes it look like it's frozen and he just doesn't work. Because, yeah, I'm glad it's not only you then, you two that uh, he, he, he mic drops and everything else. Off camera, he's so good to talk to. On camera, he is not having it at all. <laughs> he doesn't like it. I'm, I'm more fascinated by the press conferences than, than I am for some of the other games, actually. I think it's going to be fascinating. But Matt, want to get your thoughts on a few other things. Um, Adama Traore, you would hope that the three months rest has, has helped his repeatedly dislocating shoulder. But it then also means that there's less time for a potential operation in the summer if there's only August off. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I think they'll have weighed that up because I don't think from players I've spoken to, they weren't able to get surgery because of the, the risk being in hospital. But he will have done lots of strengthening exercises. It used to make you cringe, didn't it? Every time you saw him land and you'd think, how would he be? And it, sometimes it'd just be like a little tug on his arm and his shoulder would pop out. So I'm sure he's done lots of his stabilising work, doing stuff to, to help that. But I... The players that I know, I remember Kenny Millers used to pop out, Jordan Stewart, who uh, used to play for Watford, and I used to play in the 21s, if they, they had theirs pinned. So I think that if, uh, depending on what Wolves have got to play for, and, and, and when the European competitions start again as well, how that looks, and if Wolves get to the final, how much that will delay things, then uh, I think that they'll, that they'll have to just, just weigh it up. But I... I feel that you've you've got to just get it done and just look at it and think even if he misses a couple of games this season, you'd rather get it done then as soon as the season finishes. And yeah, usually it wouldn't have impacted it because you've had a lot longer off, but we are where we are and and, and that's all it is. And there won't be any, I can't imagine there'll be all the trips all around the world like before for pre-season and everything else. But I feel that he, he will be key towards the end of the season. Uh, so he will have done the strength in him, but I imagine literally as soon as it's done, he'll be booked in for the next day and get it done. And we have to ask you about the goalkeeping situation. So Rui Patricio, firmly the number one. Yeah. John Ruddy's been a brilliant number two, very talented and experienced understudy. His contract interestingly extended, as was the club's right to do. Mm. It seems that he didn't have a great deal of say in the extension and didn't hear any media from him at the time is it your belief that he's perfectly happy to stay or do you think he might have liked a crack at perhaps a championship club next season I think he could have probably got Premier League offers as well or it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Celtic or someone like that would have been looking at John but I just feel with the current uncertainty uh, I think to extend his contract in any normal market I think he would have maybe Wolves would have looked to recruit and, and, and John would have looked to have moved on but it's such an uncertain market so maybe that bit of stability for his family at his age uh, knowing that he's very valued at the club but I still feel that he will probably move on at the end of the season or maybe even in January but there'll be a lot of takers because he's an England goalkeeper he's an unbelievable lad he's a great pro he's he's in great nick he's super consistent showed what he could do when he got Wolves promoted any time he steps in he's brilliant as well and being homegrown Homegrown, especially with how Brexit might come in, is, is another big, big advantage to be with a with a with a Premier League club. So, he, he I'm not, he, you know how he is. He keeps quiet. He stays under the radar. He'll be going about doing his work. So, uh, I I used to feel for Wolves, it's, it's it's a top decision because 
you you can't get better than him uh, for what you know without paying a big fee. And you know the job he'll do. And every time he steps in, he's never let Wolves down. So it doesn't surprise me from him just having that stability and for Wolves just knowing what they've got right there. And he'll keep pushing Rui because Rui's level's been top draw. That's why he's nailed on number one because he knows he's got John Ruddy breathing down his neck and he's at it every day in training, every time he comes in. And that's what you need, competition for places all over. And in the goalkeeping department, I think we've got two fantastic keepers. Do you think he'll be happy enough to stay? Because he'll be 34 in October. So next summer, perhaps it will have been a very good season for him to have been at Wolves, for Wolves to have had him more specifically. But then it might be time to, to get another couple of seasons under his belt before he retires, yeah. but with extra cash. In <laughs> I think when you speak to him, he's in the best condition he's ever been in. So he believes he can play longer. He, he does like to play. Because up until the last two years in the Premier League, near enough everywhere he's been, he's played non-stop. So he's a number one goalkeeper who plays. He's accepted the role. I'm sure Wolves have, you know, compensated that, if you like, financially. Uh, he's still probably, if I was him, I'd have thought maybe a few of those European games I'd have got more that Rui played. Um, but yeah, he, he's still got enough of a CV and enough in the locker that I'm sure that when he... You know, when the season ends, if he hasn't, if he's not in the side, then he'll be able to walk in on a free contract, despite his age, into a into a very, very good club. And uh, and he, he might even look abroad or anything. You don't know, you know, because he's he just might fancy a challenge. But it'll be for what him and his his wife sit down and the family and they chat about it. But he'll have options because he's got such an unbelievable reputation, not only as a goalkeeper, but as a top human being. Um. Matt, a guy I've seen a bit of in the under-23s, the lad Sondergaard, um, he's impressed me every time I've seen him and he's training with the first-team squad pretty regularly now. What have you made of his development over, over the past couple of years and, and what do you think's the best move for him next? Is he is he better off staying at Wolves as a, as a three and learning on the training ground or, or do you think he might need, need a, a loan move? I believe he should have a loan move now. I think he's coming to Wolves. He played the 23s football and got promoted in that season under Rob Edwards. Distribution has always been top draw, as the term we like to use in the goalkeeping camp. He's got all the clubs. He can play short, he can drill it long, he can pick his passes. So the modern day keeper in possession is excellent. He's not the biggest. And I used to feel when I first watched him, maybe he didn't fill his goal as much as I'd like. And I didn't see him. I saw him, everything around him was nice, but I didn't see him making the big, big match winning saves. But as the season went on in that promotion season, the Rob Edwards and the, in the Rob Edwards and the 23 team, he really, really kicked on, made some big saves in that dramatic win at Manchester United on the last game. Thought he was excellent. And then this season, whenever I've watched him, he has been brilliant. Whether it's in the uh, in the in the Champions League stuff, uh, the the you know the games at uh, St George's Park, and you know when I've commentated for Wolves TV, he's been really, really good. I know he trains with the first team and more than holds his own. So he's developed in the 23s. He's now been in the first-team elite environment and done really, really well. So now I feel he needs to go out there and play for three points, play on a match day, even if it's, you know, conference, league two. Just go out there and really, really feel that pressure because it is different football. And then that will then allow him either even another loan after that to kick on. But I think he has a really good future in the game because of his in-possession side. But he's also making the saves. And again... You talk about good people, comes across as a very, very humble, hard-working boy. He's got that air of confidence about him, but he's he's a good lad. So, yeah, I think he has a very, very big future in the game. And Matt, just before we finish, really keen to get your thoughts on what is an extremely important and prevalent topic this mm. week in the light of George Floyd's awful death in America. There were peaceful protests in West Park in Wolverhampton with excellent social distancing by the looks of it. I just want to get your thoughts on whether it could have any impact on the way we view racism issues in football, in particular in this country. And there's a chronic lack of black representation in the boardroom and in coaching and management, of course. No BAME people in Premier League boardrooms. One black Premier League manager, and that's Nuno, of course. How's that going to change? And is it going to be affected at all by what's happened in the past couple of weeks? Yeah, I think it will. What's happened in the past couple of weeks is, you know, it's horrible with the... With the, you know, as you say, the the murder, the murder of George Floyd, and it and it was, it was horrible to see. My children, my one of my daughters was in absolute tears. She just couldn't believe that something like that could happen. Um, it's, you know, what Will Smith said. It's always been there, but now it's being filmed. 
It's made people look. It's made me look at myself, though, and reflect on things. Uh, I still don't believe it's the colour that's racist. You know, I'm adopted. I'm mixed race. I'm adopted by two white, you know, my parents who adopted me are both white. Lots of fantastic white people that have helped me in my career and everything, you know, and in life. So it's the individual that is racist and there's racism in all forms of life. So I think for the, you know, for the, for the, you know, if you're looking at black people, uh, you know, then they, you know, obviously I'm a young black man. I went on, well, I'm not that young anymore, but I, I went on my courses um, and I wanted to get skilled and have opportunities. But there are, when I speak to some of the lads, that they don't feel that the opportunities have been there. So it's something that we need to look at. Um, racism is horrible. It should have no place. And I think that this, I really do think there will be change. But also, we need positive black role models. So for me, when I was a young goalkeeper coming through, I looked at Shaka Hislop and Shaka Hislop and David James. Before that, Neville Southall was my idol. But as soon as black goalkeepers were there, I, I identified with them. I looked at them, you know, and it's then... I was very fortunate at Wolves to have um, Terry Connor, a black coach. So I always looked and thought, well, I can be a coach afterwards. You know, so Jack was the owner, but had lots of black people around him because of the Bahamas. Jez Moxie, a black wife. You know, so there were so many people at Wolves that I never thought my colour would be a barrier. But I spoke to people at other clubs and they felt there would be. But when I went on my coaching badges, again, I've never had a problem getting on my coaching badges. But I know that some of the players I was with felt there was no point in doing their badges because they had nobody to aspire to. So Terry Connor spoke to us in a different way. He said, no one will never, won't give you the job because of your colour. They won't tell you that. They might think it, but they won't tell you that. So just keep going and working hard. And he flew the flag as a player for us black players to come through. And I believe my generation now has to go and get qualified. So Shale Afinyana is getting qualified. So he's a loan manager at Wolves. He wants to work his way into the boardroom properly. Jolien Lescott is doing a director's course in football. So again, he wants to have the qualifications. And then if he has the qualifications with his CV and he doesn't get the job, then we've got to ask some serious questions. So I think that we need to get people into these positions who are role models and then people can really, really aspire to that. So the Rooney Rule is looking at it. The campaign's going on now. I know in all sorts of, you know, in the media world that people are looking at it, but it is a, it's a big, big problem, but we've got to keep moving forward. And what I'd also say, though, is education is key. And I'm going to challenge clubs. People want to say these things and put things on their social media, but how many players, black, white, whatever uh, background, Go and do the workshops with Kick It Out, with Show Racing the Red Car, going into schools. Because if you don't do that and speak to the young people and pass on the message, again, you can't ex expect change. Because I know when I played, I did it. And I've still done it when I've retired. But I know that there were lots of players and clubs did not back it properly. So there's so many things we need to look at. And it hurts. And it's shocking what's gone on. But I do believe the fact that everybody's talking about it and changes will be made. But I hope that they are peaceful demonstrations because I hate, you know, I don't like seeing the violence. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for that. Very wise words and excellent to hear your views on that. And let's hope that changes are made in football because changes, frankly, have to be made in football. But thank you for joining us on the Molyneux View this week. Thank you very much. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. And uh, you know, hopefully can't wait for the season to get started again. Tim, week and a half or so before the action starts, what are you working on this week? Extra busy? Busy, busy, busy. Yeah, I've got a piece on exploring Nuno's future, which will be on the website today or tomorrow, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, lots to explore, lots to look at in terms of um, his long and short-term ambitions and the chances of Wolves keeping him, etc. So yeah, keep an eye out for that and lots more which I can't talk about just yet. But yeah, we're, do, we're doing lot. We're doing lots in the build-up ahead of that. The big re-kick-off on uh, June the 20th. Oh, it's exciting to have a date, isn't it? We have a date. We have a location. 
And a purpose in life, Jackie. We have a purpose in life. Because <laughs> some of us don't have another one, do we? <laughs> Can't wait. Thank you, Lord Timothy. And don't forget to read all of Tim's work and particularly that Nuno piece, which sounds intriguing. Go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod if you're not already a subscriber and you can get a 30 day free trial and you'll also get the podcast ad free as well and you can listen back to previous podcasts as well Kevin Thelwell last week went down very well a lot of respect for Kevin last week but you can hear from all our other pods too do rate and comment on iTunes as well thank you for your feedback on those and we'll be back with you next Tuesday morning bye for now (laughs) 